Now, one more question. Hey, come on, Jess, one more. Right, 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 right. Who'd win in a wrestling match, Lemmy or God? Lemmy. Ah, God. Wrong, dickhead. Trick question. Lemmy is God. Welcome to Devil Horns. This is Corey, and we have a very special show today. I'm really excited. You know, I love horror punk, and one of my favorite new horror punk bands out there is Shadow Windhawk and the Morticians. I've been talking this up a lot on Facebook and everything, and uh, I'm really excited to be talking with the man himself, the uh, guitarist, vocalist, basically leader of the band, Shadow Windhawk. Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Corey. Great to be on the show. Absolutely. Before we launch into uh, you know casket spray and all the great stuff you're doing right now, um, just want to let you know I'm about to crack a Southern Tier pumpkin, just in honor of you and being able to hang out with you again. And I know your love for pumpkin beers. And uh, so. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, pumpkin is my favorite beer by far. Mm. Nothing compares. So. Yeah. Right on, right on. Although, I, I saw something on Facebook the other day, and I was trying to find it today um, again, but I, you posted something about a Shadow Windhawk beer that's out there. Is that like yeah. a pumpkin beer? What's that all about? Yeah. Um, well, my my very good friend Stephen Godfrey from Pennsylvania has a friend uh, who is a brewmaster, and um, he has like a very small batch brewery that they call Red Oak Leaf Brewery, um, but basically Stephen came up with the idea one day um, to just to do essentially what's a home brew, um, so it's like extremely small batches, but it's done by a professional um, who a, has, a, I believe, a degree in chemistry, um, and so I wanted to do a pumpkin ale, um, Stephen just asked me, yeah, like, what kind of beer would you want? You know, I'm like, well, pumpkin ale, of course. Um, and then they came through and uh, they brew it. They they uh, roast the pumpkins themselves and the whole works. It's a total craft brew. Um, but at the moment, it's kind of like guar beer is. Like if you go to the barbecue, they have guar beer, but it's not commercially available. It's just something that they do for friends and and whatever, that's what we're doing. So um, I would like to to get it widely available, but that is a massively expensive undertaking, and I'm just not, uh, don't have the financial means to do it at the moment. But, yeah, it's pretty cool. Stephen is a great guy and um, really talented, and so is Wade. So Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I'm a huge craft beer fan myself, and... I uh, I love seeking out little things like that. I'm gonna have to see where that brewery is and see if um, see if that's anywhere near me. I'm in Pennsylvania too, but it's probably I'm uh, on the west end of the state, so I'm not sure uh, where Stephen is. But uh, that that's that's just so cool. I, someday I wish you know I, I've made my own beers before, but just for myself and my friends and stuff. But you know nothing that I've actually tried to put out there. You know it's it's any good really. But awesome, awesome dude. Well. Um, all right, casket spray. First of all, congratulations on that awesome EP, man. Um, you know, I've I've told you several times, you know, all the time on Facebook, um, but just a phenomenal EP, and you're getting a lot of praise for it, man. I mean, people are picking up on it. You're being mentioned on big sites and and, and things. So, uh, but what's what's been the reaction, both from fans and critics and everything, of a casket spray overall? Um, well, first of all, thanks, man. Um, I'm really happy that you like the EP. Um, the response has been stunning, honestly. Um, I had no idea what to expect going into making this. I just felt like it was something I needed to do. And uh, I had the songs in me. They came out in a really natural way. And I mean, it just happened very, very quickly. Um, but the response has been fantastic. You know, I couldn't ask for better. Um, I haven't really seen any negative reviews so and uh we got a great write-up in horror hound magazine from our friend josh burton 
uh, who's been in the horror punk scene for quite a while, and he's a big supporter of Ghoul's Night Out and uh, pretty much just the scene in general, and he's a huge horror punk fan, but um, he included a review of Casket Spray in issue 47 of Horror Hound, and um, seems like you know, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but it has given us some exposure that we wouldn't otherwise have had totally. And, and there have been people that have said that the whole reason they found us was because of that review. So awesome. um, that was a huge stepping stone, huge milestone, rather, you know, Yeah. Um, and very, very cool. But yeah, I've, the fans are awesome, and I, I really couldn't ask for better. I mean, being a startup and having this kind of support is shocking <laughs> yeah yeah no, you know? I, yeah i'm noticing you know I, I follow you on facebook and i see what you're what you're saying and stuff and it just seems like you have this really loyal fan base built up i think relatively quickly you know you've you've had this one ep and of course you did your solo album before that but as far as you know shadow windhawk and the morticians this is your first effort you know you have you know this ep out there and that's really it and it seems like you have a lot of faithful fans out there, man. A lot of people supporting you and, and listening to you, spreading the word. Um, how'd you how'd you manage to build such a like a tight little fan base here so quickly? Because you you know you haven't been doing your thing here for very long, you know, with Shadow and Hawk and the Mortician. So how'd you manage that? Um, I I just say that um, a lot of it has to do with just being a real person. Um, I think a lot of bands. Uh, tend to lose sight of the people that are the fans. You know, um, there are bands out there that they just expect fans to show up and like what they do, and they don't reciprocate um, the enthusiasm, um, which is to say that, like, you know, they don't respond to their fans all the time. Like, those fans go, oh, your stuff's amazing, and I love it. And they'll just be like, oh, yeah, it's amazing. You know, like, at least that's the attitude that you kind of pick up when they don't respond to what you're saying. And, right. and the way the music industry is these days, you can be hugely famous and be a very poor person, you know? And so in, in my perspective, there is no reason to behave like a rock star. Um, and even if you are a huge rock star that plays in front of 30,000 people, which I am definitely not, um, you know, there's, there is no reason why you shouldn't treat your fans like real people and, and, you know, talk to them, answer their questions, uh, invest somewhat in how they feel about your music. Um, I love talking to people that have listened to the album and, and, you know, come forward to me and told me how it makes them feel or, you know, what songs their favorite song. Like, it's um, it's something really special that I think a lot of people take for granted to have people who care about what you're doing enough to really get emotional about it. And I've found that reaction a lot when people listen to Casket Spray. They get a really strong reaction to it. And they and a lot of them just love it right away. And then they um, when they see that you know I'm a friendly dude and I like talking to people, I think that's just kind of cemented it a bit for people that they um, they feel like I I'm probably worth supporting because I care, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'll of course talk back to people like I'm not the type of guy that's gonna have a big ego and stand back and just act like everyone should love everything I do. Like, you know, that I should, everyone should love it when I take a shit, you know, I'm not that guy. Um, and I work really hard. So it's, I guess it's just a combination of things, but, uh, I'm very grateful for it. And, um, there's not honestly a day that goes by that I'm not grateful for the fact that there are people out there that, listen to what I've created and enjoy it because I don't make money off of it. I can't make a living off of it. So all I have are the fans really. And they mean a lot to me. So. Right. Right. And we can tell, um, I think another big reason why people just really dig you so much, you know, like you said, you're, you're very accessible. You're very down to earth. You're very friendly and cool. And you're just, you're just one of us, you know, and it just happens that you're, you're one of us that is extremely talented and makes great music. Um, but 
Another thing why I think fans really, really dig is when they do support you, when they buy something off you, say you order a CD or, you know, support you on Indiegogo, something like that, dude, you, you just throw in all kinds of stuff. You know, you give us so much more than we expect. It's always over and above. You know, I've never, you know, I've, <laughs> I own, uh, you know, the first and second pressing of casket spray. Um, you know, I've got stuff from you before from Die Monster Die and, and, and every shipment that I got is like chock full of awesome stuff that I, I, I'm like, wow, I get the, oh, wow, stickers. Oh man, some buttons too. And this cool thing. And it's always personalized. You're always just like really thankful. So, you know, everything that, that I get from you, you're just like over and above and totally just showering us with all this cool, cool stuff. And that's, I think another huge thing because man, again, you're, you're taking care of your fans. You really are. And you're showing us that, you know, we're really, really important to you. And that's why we're sticking with you. You know, it's uh, we we totally appreciate that. And I don't know if I've thanked you enough for just all the hard Dude, work. I, and, sincerely, it, that means a hell of a lot to me. Um, it, just that you notice the details um, of what I do, it means a lot because um, I do love doing that. Like, if they, if someone is going to spend money that they've worked hard to earn on something I've created, I always have to give them 110%, you know, of what I can do. And that's in, and I feel that way across the board. I feel that way in how I present the band live, how I do things in the studio, right down to what you're saying about how I, I package and send out CDs. You know, I... I've even had this conversation with my fiance a few times where she's like sitting there watching me in our bedroom and I'm packaging discs and I'm like writing on everything and trying to make them as cool as I possibly can and putting free stuff and everything. And she asked me one night, she's like, why do you do all of that when you know you don't have to? And I was just like, because they know, like they notice. I know it, it seems like little things, but the people that really care, care about those details. And I know that if I was a fan, I would want this. And so I'm never going to do anything less than that because it's important to me to keep that, that standard that I will always go above and beyond for the people that believe in me, no matter what, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter that I take a hit on the CD sales because I'm spending money um, to make the buttons or the ticks or the stickers or whatever that are extra that go in with everything. You know, to me, it's, it's all beneficial to the band. And the truth of it is that if you want to get bigger in the music industry these days, then you have to start from the ground up. And um, the more people that want copies of this stuff, the better. You know, I am willing to put money into it as much as I need to to get the music out there. And that's, that's all that really matters to me, you know, is that people enjoy it and they're happy. And so to hear from you that, that every package has been something special is very validating because I've, I spend hours and hours and hours packaging stuff for people. Um, and, you know, they I don't necessarily need to do all the stuff that I do, but I... I can't help it. I want to every time, you know, if yeah. I didn't, I wouldn't do it, but I love it. So man, that, that is so awesome. And, and just to let you know, I don't throw any of the packaging away because you, you just, you, like I said, you personalize everything, you know, and, and even down to the mailer and stuff, you're writing on everything. And I just appreciate it. And it, it's just so cool, you know, to have a piece of that and just know that you took the time to do that. And so, man, I have this whole drawer that's just full of like stuff I've got from you and, and even the mailer boxes and things. It's just, it's really cool. So it's, uh, it's definitely you, appreciated. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about giving the fans really cool stuff. Let's, uh, you know, go now to your Indiegogo campaign. Um, mm -hmm. and you have a million awesome perks on here. I mean, man, you can keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling down clear to man. You're going to next week on all these, these sweet perks. <laughs> um, so anyhow, uh, what is your Indiegogo campaign all about right now? What, uh, what are you trying to accomplish there? Oh, there's four pretty major things I want to accomplish with it. Um, the primary thing is that I just want to produce more awesome stuff for people. 
I, I like I say, like, I love doing this. I love producing CDs. Um, I love making all this merchandise and everything. Of course, the problem is um, I just don't have the means to produce everything that I want to produce. Um, and so with Bandiegogo, I know that there's going to be some people that will look at it and go, oh, man, you know, he's asking for $7,500 in two months. How the hell does he think he's going to pull this off? I realize it's a lot, but the reality is I am only asking for barely enough to do everything that I want to do and not even quite everything that I want to do. Um, I, I'm asking for enough to, to press casket spray to a 12-inch colored vinyl with full-color jackets um, and, you know, plain white sleeves on the inside, but the, the vinyl itself... I'm intending for it to be translucent gold yellow, kind of a candy corn color. Nice. Um, and I've already, you know, I've got the quotes for everything that I want to produce. Um, but I want to press the vinyl and, and just give the fans something very special, something that I've always wanted to do. You know, I've, I've never quite been able to, find myself in the position where I have an album people enjoy that I can just, you know, press myself and actually have that experience of, of making it happen, packaging it and everything. I mean, I've, I've done that with CDs a lot lately, but the vinyl is just, it's a whole nother ball game. It's extremely expensive to produce. Um, there's a lot more risks involved as a business person. You have to make sure that the test pressings are correct. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks to get it done. But the thing is, I don't mind the work. And in fact, I, I relish it. I want to do it. Hmm. I want to have the means to work. So all I'm asking the fans is trust me enough to give me the means to produce this stuff. And you can you can bet that I will give you way more than what you're paying for, regardless of if I'm losing money or not. As long as I have the means to produce what I want to produce for the fans, it's going to the fans, you know? I don't want to get this money and sit on it. I don't want to get this money and make a bunch of vinyl and then, you know, just profit off of them and everything. It's, this is like something special that I just want to do for the fans. So other than the vinyl, um, we also want to produce a music video for the never dead, which is the song that was not recorded during the caskets for sessions, but was recorded as a single in May. Um, and it was supposed to come out on a seven inch vinyl, but the financial backing fell through. And so that's part of this too, is that every time I've tried to do something on vinyl, I've found that, whoever was going to help me has bailed on me for the most part. Oh, man. Um, and you know, I can't blame anybody for that because it's so expensive, but, um, that's why I just want to do it this way because if I have the means to do this, I will do this in a very good timetable. And, you know, I'm going to deliver on everything that I promise and more. Um, right. But yeah, the, the Never Dead music video will be really cool. It's uh, going to be directed by my friend Adam Judd, who took the pictures that we used for the promotional stuff for Casket Spray. Oh, sweet. Um, and he's going to be taking new photos of the new four-piece lineup of the band as well. Um, and he will hopefully be doing a campaign video for us for our halfway point of the campaign to try and move things forward a bit faster. Um, but the video is going to be uh, very much phantasm involved. It's going to have the balls, <laughs> so to speak. Um, we're going to, we're going to try and do the, the classic phantasm blood gag with the ball in the face with the reverse photography and stuff. Oh, beautiful. And, <laughs> yeah, we have, a lot of great ideas about it, but it's, it's just going to be like the song is a love letter to a movie that, that we love. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, the primary expense is paying. And this is another thing that I forgot to mention is, uh, I have spoken with Tim Jack of this, 
um, a few times about this project, and he was the illustrator for the Goosebumps uh, children's book series in the 90s. Yes, that's um, awesome. So all the classic covers from those books were painted by him, and in that spirit, I approached him about painting the cover for the 12-inch vinyl um, and having it be the house from Halloween 5 that we shot our photos in front of and then have him paint us in front of it and do jack-o'-lanterns up the porch and a tree with paper skeletons hanging out of it. Oh, um, man. <laughs> and he, he's all about it and is very excited to do it and very supportive. Um, he told me that he thinks my band will look right at home in a Goosebumps cover and um, he's excited to, to revisit that style. And he knows, he pretty much knows my speed. He knows what I want. So, um, you know, of course, the, the main thing with, with him is that he's very much a professional um, and this is how he makes his living. So he is not cheap by any means. Um, he's not a startup. He's been doing this forever. So to get it done the way I want to get it done, I have to raise a significant portion of money to cover his expense. Um, and then of course, as soon as I get the artwork from him, I have to go to the vinyl pressing company with everything, spend the time to get the artwork formatted. And then there's all the other merchandise we're offering, which, you know, we're doing posters, we're doing two different kinds of t-shirts. We're doing lots of different buttons, stickers. Um, we even have a perk on there that's the highest end perk, but if you donate $500, when we go in to record our next album in the studio, we'll record an acoustic version of any of our songs, your choice, and dedicate it to you on the vocal track. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's so awesome. I will actually say, like, hey, this this is uh, whatever song for this person. Here we go. Then we'll play it acoustic, and we'll have it produced in the same manner that we would um, if it were to appear on an album. But the cool thing is, if you buy that perk, you will be the only person with the access to the song other than us. And I will not make it public unless you choose to make it public. So there's stuff like that, that, that I had uh, kind of brainstormed, you know, you have to get creative with this kind of thing. Um, but I, you know, I tried to think of fun stuff that people might be interested in doing. And, you know, if no one bites on that, that's fine. There's, like you say, and you know, I tried to come up with, with tons of stuff. We have uh, we have the smashed symbols that Trip MD destroyed while we were rehearsing for Casket Spray to go record in the studio. He he used to uh, just manhandle the shit out of his out of his symbols, and hunks of symbol would fly around the room. <laughs> it was it was insane. Um, they were really crappy symbols, you know, uh, but. Yeah, we kept all the chunks of the symbols and all the shattered sticks and stuff. So all of those are available for smaller donations and stuff like that. But and then yeah, we had like you know uh, Rich's vest from the photo shoot that got sold, and then I put up my old Die Monster Die jacket, and that got sold. So you got your Strat up um, there too, I see. It's uh, yeah, that's, the, the Stratocaster was my first guitar. Yeah, that's got to hold some sentimental value for you, man. Is that uh, is that a tough decision to put that up there as a as a perk? You know the way I see it, um, and this is how I kind of view everything that I make. Now, I didn't make the guitar myself, but the way I, I see it is, um, I have my my working musician's instrument, which is my Les Paul, and it's my go-to. I'm never I, I'm never going to go back to the Stratocaster. Basically, it was like a kind of like a, a chapter in my life that just sits in a corner and it sits in its hard shell and I don't really do anything with it. And you know, I just thought, oh, I could could fix it up or whatever. Um, but truth be told, you know, I just don't have the money or time or energy to fix it up. And I really love the guitar that I have now. So as much as it does have sentimental value, I feel like, yeah, Watching how people respond to my music, seeing the true diehards that have, you know, become fans in such short time, I feel like if one of them gets it, 
it will be in a much, you know, it'll have a better home essentially than if it was to just stay in my corner and collect dust for years, you know? Gotcha. So it'll make someone else happy. And I think that that's important because, you know, I'm surrounded with things I don't need. I think we're all surrounded with things we don't need. Oh yeah. And, uh, and this guitar, you know, I love it. It was my first guitar. I learned on it, but just because of that, you know, I shouldn't keep it if I'm not going to use it. And I figure Dan takes it, fixes it up, gets a lot of joy out of it. It's well worth it, you know? And, uh, and I'd love that. So, but we'll see who knows if anyone will take it or not, but well, if I, had, I feel about it. if I had 500 bucks, I'd, I'd be there. Cause I love, I, I love, uh, guitar. I love playing and, and collecting stuff. And I just, uh, that would be something really, really cool that uh, I think is destined someday, someday maybe for like, you know, the Hard Rock Cafe wall, you know, <laughs> or, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know. I don't know. Just putting it out there. But, uh, you know, it uh, could be worth a whole lot more than 500 bucks here in the future. But um, no, that, yeah. that is that's really cool. Uh, some of the other perks you have, you know, like a lifetime all access pass to your shows anywhere yep. in the world forever which is so cool, uh, being credited as a producer for the Never Dead video. Um, yeah. You know, just, just all kinds of crazy stuff on here, man. And, again, it's just, you know, uh, you being, I think, very generous uh, to the fans for contributing. And um, you're very creative here, and I love seeing what there is. So, everyone, there's going to be a link. Go to the show notes at uh, devilhorns.org, and uh, you're going to have a link to uh, where you can contribute here to the Indiegogo campaign. And um, really, it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. Because, uh, man, you are just all about the music, all about the fans. And, you know, you're so, um, you have so much integrity, I think. You know, something, you made a post on Facebook. And like I said, I read everything you put on Facebook. And I love it. Um, but there was something you posted here within the last, like, week or something. And again, I tried to find it, and I, I, I couldn't. But uh, you were saying something about how bands don't, really have the balls anymore to record like really long songs like maybe like a yeah an eight minute song or a 10 minute song you know something crazy like that and and then you started getting getting into how just like you want to be able to do something like that and do things like that and do things that aren't uh you know um really accepted as mainstream or, or as common practice just because you want to do them as a musician and mm-hmm. you said something i think to the effect where you know, you're going to keep doing these kinds of things, you know, that fulfill you musically. And if that means that that's going to limit you as far as, uh, you know, financial take on everything and, and, uh, and everything, you'd rather be, I think, a starving artist. And again, I'm, I'm trying to remember what your post exactly said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you'd rather be a starving artist than, you know, conforming to some, you know, mainstream sort of formula that, that people demand yeah. of you. Yeah, uh, totally. I, yeah, I recall what I said about that. Um, glad you mentioned that. It's the way I feel about music as much as I love my fans and, and I love my friends and everyone who listens to my music. Any musician will tell you it's, a, it's a selfish game, even if you do love your fans, because I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm in this for, for personal artistic fulfillment. You know, this is, I don't create this stuff because I'm looking for some kind of validation from other people. I don't, I don't create it to, to earn fans. I know that everyone on the outside of it who hasn't done it before, hasn't tried their hand at music probably thinks, well, yeah, it's for the fame, you know, it's to, it's to have fans and have money and stuff. And, and to me, it's not, to me, it's, it's very simply, I have this in me and I'm not satisfied with my life unless I'm actively working on it and, and creating it and producing it. And honestly, if casket spray had like two fans, I would still make another album. You know, this is not about a popularity contest. Um, and as far as the longer songs versus shorter songs goes, I just don't box myself in because there is no reason to. Um, when you start thinking in terms of, of limitations on things, um, you're never going to live up to your full potential uh, because you're just you're stifling creative energy. 
by saying if if you're saying, well, I'm a horror punk guy in a horror punk band, and I got to make songs that are two and a half minutes, maybe three minutes max. You know, I've been in a situation where I was told, you know, we don't want to do long songs. Here you have an idea for a long song. We need it to be like two and a half minutes long. And I'm, you know, with my own thing, this is why I'm doing my own thing. I want to do what I want to do. I want to make long songs. If they come out that way, then that's fucking fantastic. If they come out shorter, great. But I'm always giving, I don't know how to put this, I guess, I'm always giving the songs their chance first. I'm never timing them while I'm writing them. I'm just playing them out the way they naturally progress. So like with Midian, I mentioned this too, is uh, Midian's eight and a half minutes long. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote that thing, I was like, no way. I wasn't even thinking about that. I wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to write myself like an eight and a half minute long epic ballad punk song about Nightbreed. I was just like watching Nightbreed on VHS with, with my fiance. And I was like, God, this movie is fucking fantastic. I need to write a song about this movie. And the lyric for the the uh, pre-chorus or first chorus, whatever you want to call it, in the arrangement of the song, came into my head. There's a place where monsters go, and I got like the melody in my head while I was watching the film. And that's kind of when I knew I was like, I need to do this. And so I sat down with an acoustic guitar and I fleshed it out more and more until finally I had this, you know, this arrangement brought it to Trip and Rich and we worked on it together and we didn't really think about, again, like the time of it. And we weren't like, oh, well, we're going to put this on vinyl. So there's restrictions on how long the songs can be. It was like, let's do this thing, you know, the way that it was intended to be done. And we did. And it was a shock to all of us when we were in the studio and uh, our producer, Bruce, or rather our music engineer, the guy that mixes everything and masters everything and tracks us, he's like, yeah, so this song is eight and a half minutes and, and we we're initially going to put a fade on it, but we'd listen back to it and we we're like, oh, it's, it holds together. Even though it's this long, even though it is four to five times as long as your typical horror punk song, it's not becoming disjointed and confusing. It has this flow to it and it kind of like, drags you in and you almost forget you're listening to the same song after a while. Like, Oh wow. Is this, Whoa, this is the same song. Damn. It's almost been 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. I was going to say that because yeah, it's a great thing because it's not like you're like, Oh God, when's this song going to end? It's been going on forever. And no, because you're so drawn into it. You don't even realize, you know, you get to like the six to seven minute mark and you're like, Oh my God, seriously. Have I been listening to this for six or seven? Like I thought this just started, (laughs) you know? And that's great. Yeah. And that's great songwriting and arrangement by you. Totally. Well, thanks, man. But yeah, that's, that's all I'm saying about that is, is that um, you just let the songs breathe, kind of, you know? Yeah. They come out, and then you just let them become what they're meant to be. And I think if you try and put caps on that or, you know, limitations on that, you're just going to back yourself into a corner, and, and you're going to be producing stuff that's not as honest. Right. Um. You know, all of my songs, just they're the track length that they are. Oh, well, you know, like if people don't like that, it's not my problem. But I have had people that are like, man, I love your music. I really just wish that I could chop up your songs to make them shorter so they're more horror punk. And I was and I pretty much was just like, fuck you. You know, (laughs) how dare you even say that? Uh, Like, if you don't, if, if you like it, great. But don't come to me telling me how you would do it because I don't care how you're going to do it. That's not the point. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that might sound arrogant, but I just, I don't get where people have that, that feeling that they need to tell me like, oh man, this could be a hit if it was only two or three minutes shorter. It's like, fuck you. I will make my long songs and be poor for the rest of my life before I will ever sit down and go, I'm going to write a hit and it's going to be popular and I'm going to make money off of it. Cause that's just a cop out. And, and what songs, I'm not it, doing that. you know, talking to these people, like what have you written? What songs have you written? You've written some hits yourself. You've made a lot of money on music yourself. So, you know, you're, right. you're an expert on yeah. this. Really? You know, I mean, yeah, I know. You know, 
That's wow. Yeah, and there are always going to be how people. I feel about it. Yeah, no, there's always going to be those people out there, you know, and and whatever. But you know, your I think your feedback has been overwhelmingly positive on all fronts. Oh man. no, no doubt. And just mm-hmm. the fact that the internet is is so predominant predominant on everything, it's you're going to get these these kind of people just. You know, I like to stir things up, yep. whatever, but, but it's all good. And I love your attitude towards it all. Um, so what are you doing in the future now? You know, we got, uh, you know, of course this Indiegogo campaign to sort of get through here in the next couple months and it's going strong. Actually, you have a lot of support here, you know, uh, right out of the gate. Um, it's uh, looking really, really promising and I'm really confident you're going to reach your goal here and hopefully a lot more than that. So you can, um, really, uh, keep investing into, uh, what you're doing. Um, Thanks, man. But uh, after the Indiegogo, um, what do you plan on doing? I, I've I've heard some things about some tours you'd like to be on and and getting out there. And I know oh, yeah. you, have, you have a lot of shows booked, which is really cool. You know, you, you've uh, played. Uh, of course, you've opened for Michael Graves, and you have a show coming up here next month with Doyle, which is huge. Yeah. Um, and yep. uh, so, uh, what's what's coming up here? What what are your plans? I. Sky's the limit, man. I have a lot of plans. Um, <laughs> some of them I'm going to have to keep kind of close to my chest at the moment, but, uh, but I should mention that the, you know, one of the other things I failed to mention earlier when you asked about Indiegogo is that the, the stretch goal is what they call it. But if we, if we make more than the 7,500, whatever's left over after we've produced all this stuff, after we've made the fans happy and given them everything they paid for and more, after that, whatever's left over will be pooled into the savings account, and I'm going to keep that towards touring. And um, initially, I would think that we're going to probably do a U.S. tour first. Uh, I'm not sure if, it, if it'll be coast-to-coast. Coast. I'm kind of thinking it'll be more a situation of um, head out east on one leg of it, come home, head west, because that's a little bit of a shorter jump. Um, but I also want to try and, and hit the festival circuit in Europe. Um, there's a, a festival in Germany called the uh, Wave Gothic Treffen Festival. And uh, it's just this big goth, uh, like dark wave, uh, bat cave, death rock, horror punk, any kind of dark music pretty much just a festival that celebrates that um, and it happens in Leipzig, Germany and uh, the Crimson Ghosts have played Blitz Kids played uh, The Other plays all the time my friends in Tragic Black have played it um, and they've been talking to me about wanting to go back um, and I want to go there You know, I want to I take the morticians out to Germany because we have a really strong fan base there and I feel like even if we were to fly out and do this as a one-off, we would have people from the UK driving down to see us, um, and it would be more more of a big deal than um, than pretty much anything else that we could do. You know, yeah. I I really want to push it as far as I possibly can. So we want to do that, um, and we do want to tour in the United States. But before we can tour in the U.S., we're going to have to get a van just like every other band out there. And um, that's a that's a tall order to get a van that's in great working condition uh, for less than probably, I would say, seven grand. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you can't drive all the way across the country from home with all of your expensive equipment in a shitty uh, rust bucket that you bought just because it was a score. And, like, say you get to New Jersey and you're like, yeah, like this was an investment that was awesome because I spent less money and look, we've made it great on this tour and we've, we've made a little bit of money or at least we've broken even and we're not dead and we have all our stuff. And then the transmission blows and you're trapped on the other side of the country with a bunch of shit that you can't get home and you can't get home and you have a van that you're making payments on that's, you know, stuck in the mud or whatever. It's like the worst scenario ever. So if we were to do it, we would have to have a very reliable vehicle. Um, and I'd want touring buddies too. You know, I'd want to go out with another band that everyone wants to see. Oh, so yeah. there's already been some talks. Um, 
in that regard. We'll just see how things go, man. You know, I, it's it's one thing at a time, but I feel like um, rather than do two Indiegogos, you know, one every year, like if people will just get behind this one, not a penny of that will go towards anything other than just furthering this band and getting us on the road so we can personally shake everyone's hand, play our music for the people who are dying to hear it. Um and just get to really know our fans, you know, not just through the internet, but actually be there face to face to thank them and, and talk to them. I would love that. I think it would be a fantastic experience. So, uh, and then aside from that, we're, I'm already working on songs for the next album. And, uh, we, we plan to have a new album out next year and it'll be a full length. So. Oh, sweet. Sweet. I was just going to ask you about that because, uh, a lot of bands now are doing the EP thing um, because mm-hmm. it's they can release songs or release these EPs more frequently than they can release full length albums. Um, you know, one a huge name, <clears throat> excuse me, a huge name out there of the band Down uh, that I'm a fan of. Um, you know, uh, uh, Phil uh, Anselmo has came out and said he's like Down is not going to release any more full length albums. We're just doing EPs, and his thinking behind that is. We can do, you know, every, you know, a couple times a year, we can give you a, a new EP as opposed to the fans having to wait maybe a year, maybe two years for a full length album. You know, you're kind of getting it out there quicker. Um, so yeah. th- that's cool, though. You're doing a full length. But uh, what do you think about that? You know, as far as giving a shorter album, you know, an EP length thing more frequently as, as opposed to maybe a full length and the fans have to wait a little bit oh. longer. It's kind of funny, man, because with us, we're just, we're, we're different where the, uh, where the definitions, as far as the definitions go of like what a full length is versus what an EP is, my band's a little bit weird. We're, we're more of kind of in line with the doom metal bands that are out there now because I was thinking about it. And, uh, when we initially did Casket Spray, I'm like, five songs, that's an EP, duh. But like I told you, I didn't think of the runtime of each song. Mm. And when it when we had all of it finished and mastered, and I was listening to it, I was like, "This is 32 minutes of music. Um, you can only really fit 36 minutes on a on a 12 inch record with both sides." Right. Um, <laughs> so you know, I was like, "Damn, I well, we have a full length essentially, but it's it's fewer songs and it's longer running time." So I guess your de- if your definition of a full length is 10 tracks versus five, then yeah, our next album will be a full length. But if your definition is by minutes, you know, like most horror punk albums that are considered full length are between 30 minutes and 40 minutes tops at the very most. Oh, and there have been a lot of punk um, bands I mean, <laughs> released album, you know, full length a lot shorter than that, you know, like 20 minutes, some of them. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So, I mean, all these definitions are... I don't know. I think they're a little bit whack because they don't really apply. But uh, when I say full length, what I mean is we're going to have closer to probably about 10 to 13 songs on this one. And, you know, some people might be like, well, that's like blowing your load unnecessarily because you could put out, you know, another casket spray length album that has five and then do another one. But I feel like you always have to one up yourself. And that's very true with pretty much any art form, um, anything that you're doing in your life. And um, which isn't to say that if we put out, you know, another five or six track album, that it wouldn't be uh, better than Casket Spray. But I just, I want to just go the extra mile. You know, I want to give people something that's epic. And if, if we do a 10 or 13 track album, my songwriting style isn't really going to change a whole lot. There's going to be, we have a, a right now a few songs that are shorter, but by shorter I mean you know somewhere in the ballpark of about three and a half to four minutes, like similar to fourteen twenty eight. Mm-hmm. So be some of those, but there's bound to be a few epic songs on it, and uh, nice. You know, it, we'll see where it goes from here. But I'm just trying to to take it easy with it, let it come in its own time because I know it will, and uh, we intend on you know Rich and I and and Trip and our new member Stitch, we're all intending to just kind of spend that same time that we did last year 
during the winter just working on stuff. And I have a bunch of stuff I've written on my acoustics, so I'm going to be bringing that to them when we're done playing this big string of shows, and we'll just we'll see where it gels, you know? And I'm sure uh, in its own time it'll all start to take shape and we'll have a better idea of where we're going, but I'm not the type of guy that wants to uh, back down for anything or put anything out that I feel is less than what I've done before because if I was to do that, I should just quit, you know? Mm-hmm. The only reason to keep going is, is to keep getting better. So that's what I intend to do. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and your track record has shown that that's, that's totally uh, how you operate. And again, we just appreciate that, man. It's, uh, you know, just going to get better and better and better and just keep, keep delivering and and keep doing what you want. And, you know, when, when it comes to, like I was talking about, you know, an EP versus a full length, you know, I I think in the end, you just have to figure out what makes a good album, you know, from track one to the last track, you know, and if if you have a great album, you know, that's five songs like casket spray and it holds together well it's coherent and it just rocks you from beginning to end then fantastic that's good but if you have a a great album that's like 13 songs long and it manages to take you on that roller coaster and and tells a story from beginning to end then do it that way and i think you know you just have to make a judgment call you know if you got to cut some songs to make a tighter album and something that's more enjoyable then do so or if you have to include longer songs and everything to take you on that ride that's great as well. You know, exactly. It's, it's all about how the album flows and, and what kind of story you're telling overall. So there's a, it's, exactly, it's, it's complex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just, you gotta, uh, you know, you, like I say, you gotta give breathing room to the stories that you're telling. Yeah. And I find that in a lot of cases, again, with like Median, you know, I'm not thinking about it. I need to, I'm thinking I need to tell this cohesive story and I want to fit this much of it in these bars, you know, like verse, maybe like four verses, let's say four verses. And it depends on the tempo that trip keeps, you know, how many transitions we go through. But if I have this many lines for each verse, it's just, you know, how, how long does it take us to get to the next verse? Well, I'm not going to do it without this verse because I have to sing this verse to finish the story I'm telling. Cause I'm doing like a storytelling Right. form of rock and roll, which is, you know, I think a lot of rock songs, not all of them are telling a story, but a lot of them are more abstract, I guess. I I feel like a lot of my shit might seem kind of ham-fisted to some people because I'm retelling stories that I've watched, but I try to do it with my own twist to it, through my own eyes, kind of. And, and um, I feel like also... Uh, something people don't understand that I don't expect them to, honestly, is that a lot of my songs have hidden meanings underneath the exterior shell of just being about a movie that I saw. Um, like, you know, Rich will tell you that he and a lot of people connect with our song Midian in the sense that it's a song that was written for people that are really lost and have been... Uh, had their been abandoned by their friends, essentially. Um, you know, I wrote it in a really dark place and uh, in a time when I was rather confused, you know. And so, in a way, for me, I guess I'm the, maybe the only person that would know, but it reflects that time, you know. It reflects that state of mind that I was in. And yeah, it tells the story of Nightbreed, but you know, it's 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 about where the monsters go when they've been cast away hmm. and thrown aside. You know, so it's about rising above the people that will bring you down and just being what you want to be. You know, and uh, I saw a lot of that in in Nightbreed. That's the message I collected from that movie was that that there is a place for everyone, even if you're a freak, you know, even if you feel like the weirdest, most awkward fuck ever, and uh, you feel like you've lost everything, there's a place where monsters go, you know? Right. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because, uh, you know, I'm a songwriter myself, and I write a bunch of crazy songs, and, and one of my projects that I decided to do was write a whole bunch of songs about Zombie 2. 
that's one of my favorite movies, you know, and I love Fulci and, and things. But um, my take oh, yeah. on I'm, I'm just I'm just retelling the story. I'm not really putting any any other meaning into it, cause, you know, mostly because I'm lazy. And, you know, I'm just telling the story of, you know, different scenes in the movie. And it's a lot of fun and whatever. But, you know, I, I don't I don't have that that artistic kind of thing or, or the emotion uh, to really go to a deeper level with the movie and, and really explore uh, the themes and what it means to me and maybe have some sort of underlying message like you were just talking about. Um, and I think that just takes so much more energy and and is sort of putting yourself out there, you know, because you're revealing you know, these, these feelings that you have like deep down and you're, you're just putting them out there for anybody to really, you know, anybody that picks up on it, uh, to, you know, to, to hear about and everything. And it's, it's gotta be a highly personal thing and it takes a lot of guts, I think, to lay it all out there like you do. Um, and, uh, Oh, thanks, man. I mean, I, like I say, I just do what I do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we certainly appreciate it, man. Um, you know, like I said, the uh, Indiegogo link is going to be up in the show notes for this, and you got to check this out. It is well on its way there, but it still needs everyone's support. And uh, once you look at the perks, there's going to be something there that you're going to love, and and uh, it's going to be huge. I'm a vinyl collector myself, and I can't wait to have this right up there alongside uh, all the other cool vinyl I have. Um, but man, is there anything else uh, that you'd uh, like people to know about or something I skipped over here um, before we wrap things up and um, call it a night? Not in particular, um, just kind of an update about where we're at with Indiegogo. Um, most projects that get funded fully will reach close to 30% of their goal within the first one to two weeks. Um, at the moment, we're at about 16% of goal, which given that the goal is $7,500 is really not bad, especially uh, considering that as we've said, you know, my band is a startup band. And we've only been around in the public eye since February. Um, but we've raised close to $1,200 in roughly six days. Um, and the bulk of that came over a three-day period. So I feel like anything is possible. And, you know, if it slows down, which I, I know it will in spots, I'm not going to get discouraged because I understand that the people that are supportive of me are right in the same boat as I am. And that's, that's a difficult thing about these kinds of campaigns. I, I know people don't have a lot of money. There are very few people out there that do these days. And I can appreciate that. Um, and I totally understand that people can't help us. But even if you can just throw a dollar into it, it will make a difference. And sometimes these things come right down to the wire. I'm willing to go there all the way. You know, I will, I will give this campaign every chance that I possibly can. Um, you know, all the word of mouth I possibly can. I will promote everything. I will work my ass off to make it happen. And if it does happen, the work will not stop. It will just get more and more strenuous as I have to produce all this stuff that I'm promising. But, you know, I'll tell you right now, I really look forward to doing that because this is what I love doing and I'm in it because my heart's in it. And I'm not like, I'm not doing this because I want fame. I'm not doing this because I want everyone's money. Um, I'm doing this because I want to give back and I want to make something that I've always wanted to produce. Um, and I know my bandmates feel the same way. They're, they're equally excited about it. So we have... Uh, roughly, I believe, 54 days left, which is quite a lot of time, you know, about two months. The campaign ends on October 4th. If uh, by that time we've raised at least $7,500, then we will move forward with everything we're promising immediately as soon as the funds are wired over. Um, the gears will start turning. I'll get Tim to paint up the Goosebumps-styled cover art. Once I get that back, I'll send that off to T-shirt printers and the vinyl press and the whole nine, and I'm ready to do it. Um, but I can't do it alone, so I'm just asking for you know anybody who has enjoyed my music to just lend a hand, even if that's sharing news of it online or you know doing what you've done, man, and talking to me about it and trying to spread the word about it. It means more to me than I could ever put into words, and I. I genuinely mean that when I say it. It's 
it's the truth. You know, every single person that's donated so far, I am in your debt. So, wow. Thank you. Wow. That's awesome. Well, well, thank you for, for everything you're doing, man. And, uh, again, like I said, we, we know and appreciate, uh, everything that you're doing. And, uh, so I'm, I'm sure that this is going to happen and, uh, we need the fans to do it. So again, the link's going to be up in the show notes. Uh, I'm also going to put up your Facebook page where people can hook up with you on Facebook and get the updates that you do. Because like I said, you put a lot of really cool stuff up there and you put updates and, and videos. You had a, um, I was just watching, I think you were doing a little clip from Midian here that you just put up in rehearsal that I was watching and it was really cool. So all kinds of good stuff on Facebook from you too. And uh, we appreciate all those little tidbits that you put up there. It's, it's really awesome. So Shadow Windhawk, man, thank you for talking with me again. You know, you've, you've taken like an hour here out of your evening just to, just to hang out and talk. And it's certainly appreciated here. And, uh, I'm hoping I can help spread the word however I can, especially through this show and, and Facebook and everything, man. But, uh, I'm going to ask you to hang on the line here, you know, after I close and everything, I've got a couple more things for you, but, uh, man, uh, again, thank you for hanging out and, uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. Oh, yeah. Anytime, man. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been really great. Anytime, man. Have a good one. You too. You've been listening to Devil Horns. Join us at devilhorns.org. One, two, three, he's coming for you.
Stop the time, time, bitch!